0: This podcast is under wild and
1: I'm Chuck Norris, and I approve this game.
0: Between the time when gamers played with miniatures and chainmail, and the rise of the Wizards of the coast, there was an age of advanced roleplaying, playing undreamed of. And unto to the Sky Gats, destined to bear the jeweled crown of TSR upon a troubled brow. It was given to teach us all how to roam for initiative. Ladies
1: and gentlemen,
2: uh, let's get ready!
3: The Roll for Initiative Podcast, Volume 4, Issue 157. I am Vince sitting with Nick.
4: Hello, everybody.
3: Hello. This is 2015, and we got Matt with us as well. Hello, everyone.
4: There's Traveling Matt.
3: Traveling Matt, that's right. And the infamous Chad. Heidi Ho, campers. And joining us for one special occasion as a bonus and uh, cross promotion. I'm a bonus. Oh, yeah. We have Sal from the Brainstorm Podcast. Hey, Sal. What's going on, everyone? Uh, Great, great, great. So we're back 2015. We haven't heard from a couple people in a long time. You know, first show of the year. Mm -hmm. We're going to actually start with Chad because we haven't heard from him in a while.
4: Yeah. What have you been doing, infamous Chad, now? Oh, just kind of hanging out in a cave
1: up in the Alps. No.
4: oh, (laughs) That (laughs) explains uh, a lot. It
1: does, actually. No, I just, uh, you know, I've been working on uh, working on some gaming events uh, that I'll be running at GaryCon uh, come March. Uh, and outside of that, you know, not too much. Uh built a new computer that I was looking forward to using for this podcast, and, of course, it <laughs> did not. The microphone seems to be screwed up, so I'm back to using old faithful. Dope. Woo. <laughs> and uh how are the rest of you guys uh do you guys have a oh hey i know what i got for christmas uh i got a vintage first edition box set of traveler as well as second Ooh. edition of Battletech.
4: ah cool yeah Sweet.
1: so that'll be fun to uh, kind of mess around with
3: cool all right nick i know you uh you've been playing your uh, uh star wars d6 with the new re-up rules how's that been guys? yeah
4: yeah we st- started that campaign last night and it's off to a wonderful start it's got he's actually got everybody paranoid so So. that pretty much it starts i don't know if we said this in the last show it starts uh the timeline is going to be just before order 66 is given to the clone troopers and we had our Mm. little mission from the uh the new republic and the jedi council to find this um i guess there was a signal that was originating from a planet out in the Elrude sector. And the signal's like a 2,000-year-old signal. We run this blockade through the Separatists, and we get to the planet. And um, we had a little bit of a space battle there. And uh, we get to the planet, and we find on this ship, there is a droid in cryogenic fr- sleep, They take him out, he eventually wakes up on the... Before he wakes up, then Order 66 is given. (laughs) The clone troopers who are with us (laughs) start going after the one Jedi Master that's with us, and he dies. uh, His young Padawan learner, who was one of the players, escapes, and um, we make this... Daring escape away from the, uh, separatist, uh, droid, uh, droid, uh, fighters. And, um, once we get this thing on board, we find he, it gets, I don't know if somebody activated it or activated itself, but, uh, it wakes up and it thinks it's a Jedi master.
1: <sighs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. So was it was it the so, droid they were looking for? Oh yes, it was the droid oh. we were looking
4: for. So there's some other things that are going on, like they were ja- whoever it was jamming our comms, and I get this really strange message we were able to get through the jamming and find out there is this road figure that was giving the order. Hmm. Hmm, wonder who that is. <laughs> Palpatine, excuse me. C three PO. Uh, uh Jar Jar. Jar Jar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: gotta give the order sixty sixteen yes I
4: am uh, uh, uh. almost bad as he walks he <laughs> walks, but anyway, yeah, that's how and that's how it end up last night is uh yeah this, this droid reactivates himself, and we have to find out what happened with the clone troopers and why is it they're announcing over the holonet that uh, General Grievous has been killed and it's been a striking blow against the separatists and the war is pretty much over? <laughs> all like, huh? <laughs> what the heck's going on here? <laughs> oh, so that was the game last night. It was really fun. Can't wait to play it next month.
3: I haven't had a chance to look at the reup rules, but is it any different from the revised and expanded at all, or just
4: um? A little bit. I would say it's a little more cohesive. It's a little more easy reading. I, I would say.
3: Yeah, uh, for those out there that are interested, it is the D sticks Star Wars that some fans have done a? Uh, they call it reup. They just decided to re. I don't know what they do. Update the rules, so revise and update the rules. It's a really large book. It's hard to. They don't have a website. You can only find them on Google Plus. Yeah. Uh, in the Star Wars D6 uh, community, uh, and then you can get the file via that way. Otherwise, you can't find it because they don't really want to have a website presence to make it look like they're trying to make a profit off of it. Or right. So, ooh, Yeah,
4: it's that. it's pretty hefty book, like you were saying earlier, Vince, before we started the show. It's like over 500 pages. Yeah. But it's, if you want to start a D6 Star Wars game, I highly recommend it
3: yeah definitely that i I usually play first edition, but I've been looking at this and reading it since I found it like a month ago and I, I kind of like it a lot so
4: yeah it's really cool, particularly in, in the uh, the section for the game Master about the Star Wars Galaxy how they've incorporated the whole history now from from all the novels and the comic books and what have you and you could pick whatever part of the timeline you want to set your campaign in. You want to, you could set it in towards the old republic all the way up to when Anakin Solo goes crazy and kills Jade and all that stuff.
3: Spoiler alert.
4: Oh, (laughs) like anybody (laughs) doesn't know that.
3: (laughs) Well, I didn't know that. I'm kidding. Uh, Okay, cool. Cool, 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 cool. Many
2: cools. Yeah, it is. Matt, what about you? Uh, Gaming wise, just. Due to schedules, the weekly group and our uh, TMNT uh, sessions have not happened. So I've been actually Aww. losing myself in uh, Civilization V: Brave New World and played like probably thirty hours of it this week. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it's the very much the one more turn and then three hours later, oh, <laughs> <up>. <laughs> oh and now I have to bleep myself. It's five in the morning. <laughs> nice.
4: Good job.
2: Yes, it's a new year and I've lost my self censor <laughs> <laughs>
3: That's for Matt right there. Yes.
2: <laughs> so, yes, I've been uh playing Here's a lot your sense of sit Here's what? your sense of sound. There you go. Wow. <laughs> Got
3: your pants on that one. Jeez, wow. that's of <laughs> yes.
2: So, yeah, that's pretty much what I've been up to and No real good uh, gaming presence outside of I got some Disney Infinity figures for uh, the uh, PS3. So me and the uh, girlfriend have been playing a bunch of Disney Infinity as well. Basically think Minecraft with Disney characters. It's fun stuff.
0: Venom looked cool. I saw Venom at Target.
2: Yeah, Venom (laughs) looks – all the figures are cool and – the, if you get the, any Disney Infinity set, um, the Marvel and the Disney characters are cross-compatible, so you can have Venom battle like Rapunzel. <laughs> so, yes, <yeah. laughs> so, <yeah. So>, <laughs> it's one step closer to the Marvel versus Disney princess game that I want. Side-scrolling <laughs> fighter, Marvel versus Star Wars versus Disney princesses. Someone make Mortal it happen. Mortal Kombat style. Yes.
1: throwing a few of my little ponies man you have me oh oh absolutely and care bears
3: chad's a big pony he's a big pony fan anyway sharing is sharing that's right i've been uh working i'm working yeah I've been playing in a 5e campaign that actually stopped for the holidays, and now it's gone, so (laughs) that lasted all, what, two sessions?
4: Aww.
3: Yeah, and now I'm working on writing my own campaign to do an actual play podcast right now, so. Oh, cool. No secrets, I'm not telling anybody anything, so. Aside from that. Yeah, aside from that, be prepared. No. And uh, let's head over to Sal, who's part of the Brainstorm podcast, brainstormpodcast.info. Sal, tell us a little bit about yourself.
0: Uh, Well, um, always been a nerd. After that, I decided to become a wrestler. So I became a wrestler, was wrestling for a while. Now I'm back into the full-time nerd thing. Okay. (laughs) A little more detailed? Okay. Yeah, please. Um, I used to work for uh, ECW and various other promotions. Uh, OVW, which was the WWE's Farm League. um, And was in it from... I was in ECW from 97 to 2001 when, much like your holiday game, we took a hiatus and uh, never came back. (laughs) (laughs) Never came back in the new year. So that's uh, pretty much the same thing. Um, And now... uh, I've been a big fan of this show as well as, you know, save or die and a lot of the other wild games production stuff. Um, and I contacted you and you offered me to come on brain brainstorm, which is wonderful. And I think people need to send more emails at, uh, WGP at gmail.com. If you can send them out there. Um, it's uh, so now. I've been doing this and kind of getting more into the gaming side of things. Um, I've been running for D and D and Tunnels and Trolls and Shadowrun and other games. I've done for years and years and years. Um, so now, what I'm going to be doing is, I'm actually making my foray, and I, I've told you this uh, into the Roll Twenty because finding physical gamers is hard to do in my area. Mm-hmm. So now I'm going on G, you know the G+, uh, G+ which was, I'm still new to, but still trying to kind of gather everybody in there so I know what's going on. Um, writing an adventure that I'd like to kind of, hopefully at some point, put out. So, and then that's, that's pretty much it. Um, I just pick up games, check them out, see what's what, and I, then I steal everybody else's mechanics to run in homebrew D&D games and, and that sort of thing.
4: So was- yeah, it seems like roll twenty is like that. It's the lifesaver for all those people who want to try to get their gaming in,
0: I mean, no matter well, where a, they are. Honestly, that's how it's been. Uh, you know, I it went from I used to have once a month games, and then you know life gets in people's ways, and peop- you know, your friends that you game with, they move, or who breaks up, and now they can't hang out together, or whatever else the deal is, and you yeah. just lose your gaming group. And yeah. when you only have one particular gaming group, you you can't afford to lose anyone. So it's like, you know, you just even, you know, you go to the local game store and when I happen to have a great game store by me, but it's kind of, uh, it's heavy on war gaming, which I love 40 K and stuff. And I love, uh, you know, various war games, but I also, I'm not really up. I want to, I want to role play. I want to run some games. And right now it's kind of in a, um, it's in a dry spell of, of finding gaming groups. Mm. So I'm hoping that you know roll twenty will be the answer.
3: Mm-hmm. So we'll see. I was thinking about doing mine on fantasy grounds too. Now that they have that nine ninety nine unlimited package going on per month, and you can uh, GM and you can have as many players as you want connect for free. So oh. been looking into that. I'm not sure which one I want to do yet. So well, cool. That was uh, that was Sal's big promo. You can tell he was a wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i joking. Uh, so let's head into stars. Nick, what do we got?
4: All right. Well, getting into stars, we have one starred review over at iTunes. So just to remind everybody, you can give us reviews either for good or for ill uh, over in iTunes and go to the iTunes store and type in the search role for initiative and you can track down the ratings or reviews from there. And we're at 190 ratings right now. We're Woo-hoo. closing in the 200. And we have a review from Jared Longsword who wrote this on Christmas Eve, and says, "Well done." Gave us three stars. Says, "I love this podcast." Though I mainly play Second Edition and Basic D D, this podcast is very helpful, and I use a lot of your advice. I love the episode on creating a tavern. <laughs> so yeah, that was a fun episode to do. Mm-hmm. So that's from uh, Jared Longsword.
0: Cool. Thank you. A little boastful, isn't it?
4: Yeah. Definitely head over <laughs> <laughs> Definitely
3: head over to iTunes, like Nick said. Give us a rating, one to five stars. Tell us what we've done wrong. Tell mm-hmm. us what we can do better. Tell us what we can keep doing to remain to get those well to keep getting those five stars if we give us five stars. The more info you give us, the more we learn. And that's one to grow on.
1: Well, we must be doing something is half right. the battle.
4: Oh G.I. Joe. Yop. And now you know that's knowing it's half the battle. Yo, Joe! Hi, yeah, Joe. <laughs>
3: Jeez. All right, now that we got the cheesy '80s cliches out of the way, why don't we just mosey on over into table
2: manners? Typical of all the evil creatures in the world. I like to find one with table manners. And what are you kidding me? I've spent years
0: cultivating the worst table manners on the planet. Table manners. <laughs>
4: All right, now we get in the table manners here, and we're we're going to talk about a um, product. I, I yeah, I guess we call it a product for an homage. Labyrinth. Yes, a for a labyrinth lord. if Anybody's not familiar with it, labyrinth lord is uh, part of the you know OSR, old school renaissance, and uh, it's pretty good, pretty darn good rule set, considering that you can get it for free out there if you like and uh, there is a companion to it the advanced edition companion mm-hmm. and um i guess we're going to kind of do a round table about this and talk about the advanced edition companion and how it compares to the original rules and uh for Labyrinth Lord and probably the first edition AD&D how what the differences are how it's similar and just kind of go down from there so
3: well, my first overall look—the Advanced Edition Companion—160 pages, and it puts in almost everything that I want inside the mm-hmm. book.
4: Yeah, absolutely, but not so much that you feel like it's overwhelming. It's got enough of you know some you know crunchy bits there to to if you want a little more stuff into your campaign, if you want to expand things out in your your game world. Oh. So.
0: I don't know if anybody else did this, but when I, when I was younger and I had the original book uh, for the original rules and we got to the, the planes in the back. Yeah. I, I was just like, what I never used them. Never even bought, like honestly, didn't even look at them all that long. I got in looking at the uh, AEC version here, like reading the cosmology and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Like I just kept reading it and I was like, Oh wow, that's pretty cool. And I'm like, I wonder if this is the, and it's, it is, it's, it just seemed non-daunting. It was a non-daunting task to read it and look at it and go, "Oh, I know, oh, this is yeah, no problem. This is great."
4: Yeah, that is a good point. I'm reading through that. I like how if you want to incorporate things like you know other planes of existence into this campaign, and I think don't they listen as kind of like optional?
0: Yep, it's an optional thing, and you don't have to add it on if you don't want to.
4: Right, and they and they kind of and they simplified it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I I looked and that was that whole thing. Um, I think let's see from page one forty five, one forty six. Basically, one forty two is all the new rules that yeah. they added in. All of it is it's optional, but it's it seems so much simpler. Yeah, you know, like everything in there. Most of the time, when I see optional rules, I'm like, man, I blow it off. I read this and I'm, and the more I looked at, it, I was like, this is these are great, you know, and I and then. I kind of felt like a dummy because I was like, you know, this is all in the first edition stuff too, but it just seemed so much more, you know, scary at the time of, you know, oh, wow, this is a lot, a lot to take right. in. And I don't know why, maybe it's just getting older, but now I was just, I was really impressed with the, those last few pages are great. The optional, Yeah, the optional yeah. rules are amazing.
4: Yeah, yeah, I like the optional rules. And Going on with the plane stuff, they kept it relatively simple. You got astral, ethereal, Plane of Shadow, um, the, your elemental planes, mm-hmm. your plane of order, chaos, uh, negative and positive energy planes. All oh, the
0: demi-planes and stuff. Yep. Yeah. Uh,
4: plane. The plane of beasts. I thought this was interesting because it says the plane of beasts is the home of all beast lords or powers that represent the equivalent of deities for animals and monsters. So there's like, there's a plane of beasts. So whatever... Like you know, you know, like Cat the Cat Lord from mm-hmm. Monster Manual Two, I guess if you were gonna use that, it'd be in the plane of beasts here.
1: Yeah, it's so, it's very similar to uh the happy hunting grounds if you look yeah. it up in uh if you look that up in the uh, uh <laughs> in the manual planes.
4: So um so and the neat thing is there's not all those other you know, outer planes like you know, this was it, the seven heavens the nine hells and everything. All basically the plane of chaos is known as hell. So that's where all your demons and devils are.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's very, it's, it's super simplified. And then, you know, it made me go back and look and say, well, was it the same thing? You know, mm-hmm. was it, was I just avoiding it <laughs> because I, you know, just, I just, I had it in my head that it was a big complicated mess. Mm. Meanwhile, I look at it here and it's just like laid out and, um, I let somebody who's a non-gamer look at it um, mm-hmm. from their point of view. And just from a couple of reasons, they're like, oh, this is really simple. Yeah. And I said, okay. But now if you put a D&D book in front of somebody, it automatically becomes a little more complicated. And I think whether it's the way it's written, which I don't know, but people automatically have a thing in their head, oh, this is going to be too hard to learn. Mm-hmm. Or this is you know this is going to be some weird game mechanic thing that I'm never going to understand. Right. But I gave this you know having giving this to a a non a non gamer and having them look at it going oh okay well all right and they don't understand the exact science of role play but they read the rules and comprehended them very easily. Yeah. Well, that's cool.
4: And I guess yeah. going on with the same area about the new rules, the other thing I liked was the. Uh, the breakdown on poisons poisons. Yeah. yeah. I like this poisons part because compared with first edition AD and D, there was stuff about poisons in the, in the DMG. But Mm -hmm. as the, as the game originally was written, if you, if a, like a thief or assassin was using poison, it was just save or die. There Mm -hmm. wasn't like varying degrees of poison necessarily. And like, if you're ingested, you know, if it's a contact poison, whatever, and, you know, various types of damage or various types of effects, either like paralyzation or, you know, puts you in a coma or something like that. There's a really good breakdown of different types of poisons, what they do, and there's really good uh, – there's a couple of good charts for that. So, you know, for anybody who's playing those thieves and assassins in your in your campaign, you know, if they are looking for a particular type of poison, it's right here and you can incorporate that rather easily. So I like that.
3: I did like if you back it up to 142, the the combat options, how they have all yes. those little mm-hmm. those little rules there that you were finding throughout the player's handbook or throughout the DMG about like the helms and the mm-hmm. subdual damage, which is actually I don't remember ever seeing that.
4: Yeah, they kind of took the subdual for dragons and just kind of made a general thing for any creatures.
3: Yeah, that was I think that was more of a basic D and D thing. The subdual damage, that rule right there, because I remember seeing that in that one module B. Mhm. Uh what was that module? B something. I can't think of the module number at the moment.
4: Well, there's the only thing I remember for AD&D is Subdual for dragons. Yeah. Yeah, that it's that's in the monster manual, they explain it.
1: And like well, this they was give, they give non-lethal damage uh rules in the DMG. Uh they just don't really call it Subdual. but
4: Right. This was like it's just one paragraph. They explain it rather well. And and you can use that or not. Or they, finally, what was the other things like a lot of us when we were playing earlier? Oh, what if you wanted to use two weapons? How's all that work? Well, you had to dig through the rules and stuff. Yeah, right there. the next paragraph. Two-weapon fighting. What's the penalties? Who could do it? You know, whatever.
0: And I really li- I like the way the layout is that it's all concise and it, literally and it, within a couple of a paragraph or two, they explain it. It's not drawn out into 15 pages of explaining to me what two-weapon fighting needs and Mm-hmm. Um you know even the poison the poison is on a quarter of a page basically. Yeah. You know and and I remember uh Dragon Magazine like that used to be my poison go to if we if we had an npc who used poison cuz players couldn't use it. You know you had to use like the the chart from there was a I believe it was a Dragon Magazine with the mm-hmm. the poison chart in it. Yeah. that well, was
4: that's uh, what we you talked had talked about use. that one. We talked about that one. It was like a new type of chart that that, that yeah. it was an optional one. I don't know. I
0: what was, I'm sorry. I
4: remember we were talking about it, and <clears> I just <throat> remember that show. I was like, what? I never understood it then. I just don't right. – I still don't understand it now. <laughs> it was so um, confusing.
0: I want to say it was in the same one as the Anti-Paladin.
4: Uh, you know, you may be right.
1: Actually, I think you are right on that one.
4: Yeah. I just remember when we would talk about it, I was like, oh, my eyes just kind of glazed over.
1: (laughs) Yeah, because I think they do a section also on the anti-paladin about him, Mm -hmm. his use of poison.
4: Mm -hmm. You know, and there's other little nuggets of information here that are great, you know, talking about like, for example, invisibility. Yeah. Another yeah. one of those little things in a, in our games that when we it's like okay, what if I'm invisible, what's the chances of someone detecting me or not detecting me? There's a there's a chart right here in this optional rule section which is great. So, and that's based off your intelligence and I guess your level or hit dice. <clears throat> and you have a percentage and you just go from there. It's really cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and they do a good write-up on stunning and paralyzation too mm-hmm. because that's that's a very vague Area in the original first edition AD&D, they mm-hmm. they actually covered it quite well, uh, giving the you know uh, what. We, you know, I like the fact that they basically state right out that if you're paralyzed, attacks automatically hit you. And in yeah. fact, if if a player states the intention of trying to kill something that's paralyzed, then it automatically succeeds. Yeah, this was always kind of a, a guy. Yeah. yeah, back when we played it, uh, first edition AD&D. You know that was really more of an unspoken rule, and they've actually yeah. just canonized it within uh, the Labyrinth Lord Companion.
4: Yep, I like the the stuff on the humanoid spellcasters too. Yep, broke that down really well. Then we went into the whole cosmology stuff. Yep. And by the way, folks, where we're talking about this is just a little optional rules they put at the end, yeah. which is great. Yeah, we haven't because... even really got into the nitty gritty yet.
3: Well, let's mm-hmm. let's bring it back. Let's go back.
4: Yeah, putting it. Races, for example. Okay.
3: Bring back to page seven when we started dwarves right away. I like how they cleanly, plainly put everything right there for you to see all the bonuses mm-hmm. that go involved with the cl- uh, the race itself too. Yeah. Which is that a little bit more than normal? I don't remember seeing some of those.
4: As far as different races.
3: Well, look under dwarves.
4: Right. right. Yeah. As far yeah. as their their classes, they're available to.
3: No, the bonuses well, they
1: get. The same. All the bonuses. Them. What do you um, mean like the bonuses against magic
4: spells? Their ability modifiers?
3: No, just how they get plus 2 versus breath weapon plus 4 versus poison plus 4.
4: Oh, right. Yeah. Um,
3: I like how they clearly plainly put that out like that.
4: Yeah, yeah. cuz I think remember in AD&D it was a little it was a little bit different. It's just
1: It's near the back, I think, in AD&D. Once you start reading about the dwarves, their resistances and everything, you know, they they cover the basics about dwarves as far as, you know, what they are, what their characteristics are like, and then they get into their more – into the mechanics of running a dwarf.
4: Yeah, if you're talking about like the the dwarves in their – like their saving throws. Yeah. Yeah. I remember correctly. it was in the uh players' handbook that's like, yeah, it was broken down to where you get it. they got bonuses against magic wands, staves, rods, and spells. It's a plus one bonus for every three and a half points of constitution ability, so you had to do a little math there,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah they they gave the equations for how you would figure out right and in this
4: in labyrinth, Lord, it's like, okay, it's right here, these yeah. are it there's. There's no really math you got to figure out here at all.
1: They do
3: it perfectly for dwarves. uh, Well, nothing for elves. Well,
0: they they actually. I'm trying to. They explain about the elves. How if you took an elf and you wanted to do multi-classing, how yeah, here it's on uh, on on page 24. There are advantages and disadvantages to an elf fighter or a magic user. Mm -hmm. You know, like they just tell you flat out. Look, if you're going to multi-class, here's the deal. Not okay. Go figure this out. Yeah, they, that's they, true. They actually give you the the bottom line of it of hey, look, you can do this. Go ahead. It, there's going to be some downsides to it, so expect that. You know, and then they go into everything everything is just they they realized I guess that the players have changed and nobody wants to guess. Nobody wants they want the rules and then let them interpret the rules, but they want to lay them out yeah. plain for you.
4: Yeah, exactly.
1: And you know, so, I think one of the most important things about it uh about the companion is the simple fact that you know, the original Labyrinth Lord was not meant for advanced AD and D. It was meant right. for uh, to emulate Basic, the Moldvay right. set. Yeah. So when they created the Companion, what they're doing is they're they're making that nat, they're making they're they're showing that that progression mm-hmm. into now. If you want to use the Labyrinth Lord rules, but you want to do uh, a, something like first edition advanced we're now giving you that option to do it mm-hmm. and because you know we we've had in hindsight is 2020 we we we've we've been able to to the guys the veteran players have had to go through all the pitfalls themselves between hybrid making hybrids of uh basic and advanced and what you get with the companion is the culmination you might say of that hindsight so they they basically said well this is what we all had to house rule in order to make that work yeah now we're just yeah, gonna we're just point. gonna yeah if you if you've never had to go through all that but you want to do it this rather time, than yeah. having to hit the same pitfalls we did we're just gonna lay out for you the big things that we had to find out on our own and now we're gonna let you know right off the bat how to handle that
4: yeah mm-hmm.
1: which is I, really nice
4: yeah it was, it's like a bunch of veteran gamers said okay this is what we had to deal with and this is how we're putting it together for you so you right. don't have to do all the work.
0: <laughs> they they figure, you know what? If you don't like it, you're going to house rule it anyway. Right. But this is how we did it. So if you like it, cool. If not, you're going right. to change it anyway because that's, yeah. that's really what it comes down to.
4: And that's actually a good, a, a, a good example is like when I was looking at elves here for the different classes, they could be assassins, cleric, fighter, magic user, thief. I thought, okay, where's Druid? I mean, because I always thought, you know, elves kind of fit into that role too. I don't
1: think elves could be assassins. I thought only half orcs and humans could.
4: Well, elves can be assassins in Labyrinth Lord.
1: Oh, okay. So, again, what they've done is in the past, you know, they probably in their own games uh, allowed it. And so they just Mm -hmm. kind of put that out because I know people wanted to do that.
4: I just (laughs) thought it was interesting that they don't have elves that have the ability to be druids, but half elves can. So, I don't know. But that's something – who. You know, like me, I would house rule it. You know, say, yeah, they could be druids. Not say you can't. Yeah. That was just like one of those little things I, I kind of picked up on.
3: Again, it's, you know, you rule the book, not the other way around.
4: Right, right.
3: So into classes, I noticed that assassin is now a core class, but did they drop the evil requirement? I don't seem to see it anywhere.
4: Um, As far as I can tell, no, there's no. Yeah, it doesn't.
0: Yeah, you don't <clears throat> have to be chaotic or.
4: Yeah, you don't have to be evil starting out.
0: Yeah, it just it's nothing
3: for the prerequisites. So I just assume you
0: could be a good
3: assassin, right? Well, just kind of weird. Uh,
0: well, because of what actually, Labyrinth Lord gave the open up of for me. Uh-huh. Um, I let an anti paladin come into the game. <gasps> I, I know everybody relax, everybody calm down, <laughs> um, be, and and that came from Knight uh, of the Black Rose. Yeah, because in the story, soft has feelings for people, and he has emotions where it's like, okay, you know what? I'm not going to kill you today. Awesome. And he doesn't have to run around and kick puppies to be a lawful evil guy.
3: That's a good game. Oh, that's killing puppies, sorry.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> way different game. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's a point of you can be, you know, have these thoughts and not run around and, and stealing things. But Labyrinth Lord kind of opened it up, mm-hmm. whereas, you know, you don't have to be a lawful evil guy in order to be an anti-paladin you know or i mean a chaotic evil sorry um a chaotic evil psychotic to be an anti paladin you know you could be just as you know lawful or even neutral evil you know what i mean just it, and i'm not going to get into the whole evil good thing but labyrinth lords open rules kind of like you know we're not going to hamper you with it you know we're not going to hamstring a player because of it and the game it, it went pretty good they they had fun and it was a it was a decent character but yeah
4: actually in i i Reading in further, I, I forgot I saw this uh, earlier, but I'm reading through for our assassins. The um, alignment restriction is different in, in Labyrinth Lord. It says assassins are restricted to chaotic and neutral alignments, but no lawful character can be a hired killer. So, right. any variants of chaotic and neutral alignments, you could be an assassin.
1: Yeah, yeah, and neutral makes sense because That's assassin, right. you exactly. know, they're doing they're they're not doing it to get because they're getting joy out of it. They're doing it because it's a job. They're getting paid,
4: mm-hmm. right? So theoretically, you could have a neutral good assassin, or a chaotic good assassin, or true neutral, or
1: yep, and or uh, lawful
4: neutral. Yes,
1: and lawful look neutral at Leon, makes the, a lot of the sense.
0: professional. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. You know, and and again, uh, not to get into that whole area of of good evil campaigns. In another, uh, another Labyrinth Lord thing, uh, they offer the Necromancer character, which I love. I absolutely love it. And it's just the fact of, you know, they give you that option to do it and play it and, and play what you want. But they're giving you the rules for it, which make it a little easier to play it. So mm. you, don't have, you don't have one character running around with, you know, oh, well, he's super overpowered because you, you had to table rule it. You know, they give you the, the framework to make it work within the game.
4: Oh, I said lawful, neutral. They can't be lawful, neutral, because they, they can't be lawful, sorry. So, yeah, like, yeah, variants of chaotic, chaotic or neutral. They could be neutral, good.
1: They could be neutral,
4: They could be neutral, good, good yeah. They could be chaotic, yeah. good.
3: Speaking of lawful, neutral, I wonder if you can get away under these rules with lawful, neutral paladins. Looking at the mm-hmm. description. they just well, they have to be lawful in alignment and can't commit a morally questionable or evil act.
1: So, then that, that would... Yeah, I would say yeah, they could be lawful neutral.
3: Well, they do say the Avenger class, which is a lot like a Paladin class, is mm-hmm. the Paladin. Mm-hmm. So, I wouldn't see a problem with a lawful neutral Paladin.
4: I guess not. Yeah, if that's how you want to do,
0: it, absolutely.
1: My game, I'm doing it.
0: Yeah, Vince, yeah. I like, grant you permission. Well, actually,
1: me. at the end of the day, it is if it's your game, you know, and the, and they're keeping to that flavor, you know, they're they're saying, you know, again, it's your game. Do what you want with it.
4: Uh, One thing I like talking about the character classes, what they did with uh, druids, is they did away with that whole competing with the other higher-level druid
0: thing. Oh. (laughs) Right, well, there's only one druid? Nope. Yeah. There can be only one. Well, it's the power of two sort of thing.
4: Yeah, well, they're not Sith Lords. That's what I'm saying. Druids.
0: You're going into... You got to kill the the higher druid in order to get his his spot. So now, like Thunderdome,
4: two men enter, one man. Highlander, <laughs> exactly. These
1: are not the druids you're looking for.
0: These are the Sith,
1: Sith druid lords.
4: Sith druids. You know one thing also. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll Think about like that. To mention, uh,
1: they did another thing that that's interesting, and that's uh, which I think is uh, again them making the game more kind of common sense uh, through hindsight. And that is, they change the reaction modifiers uh, the way it works in in the Labyrinth Lord Companion mm. and first edition AD&D because in first edition AD&D uh, you wanted to roll high, and in Labyrinth Lord you want to roll low for and, and so if you look at your charisma bonuses, they differ between the two. You know, you're going to get like uh, ad and I think was giving you. Plus percentiles, like plus 35 percent, I think, if you're 18 charisma to a reaction modifier. Yeah. Uh, whereas in uh, Labyrinth Lord, they're, they're – instead of a percentile plus, you actually like an 18 might get a minus three because you want to roll low and I don't think you're rolling right. percentiles anymore.
4: Yeah, that's uh, like that's like original uh, uh, basic D&D how it was. There wasn't yeah. percentiles. It was just like a – it was a modifier, either a plus or a minus.
1: Yeah, and then they carried that. Now, that might have been also the way that – well, I know in in the companion set, that's how they're listing the reaction Mm -hmm. fires, and and I I don't know. I I, I think that's a little bit more intuitive, to be honest. So I like that. I like the fact that they went that route with it.
4: Seeing about as far as the other classes, if there was any major changes – uh, for fighters, they say at fifteenth level fighter gains one additional attack per round. So
1: Well, I know that classes can now go up to they they give you up to twentieth level for classes right. It's like fourteenth level.
0: Mm-hmm. Whereas what was the elves were you played elves and it was like ninth or something?
1: Yeah, I don't know what they did is, you know, I'd have to take another look at. It. I can't remember what Labyrinth Lord Companion if they if they changed that. Area of demi-human
0: levels. Mm-hmm. Well, they—I know even in the back they offer uh the humanoid classes. You know, if you want to, do, if you want to actually play a humanoid, the spellcasting levels and the cap right, on
4: them, right? For like shamans which is kind of
0: cool. Yeah, if you want to do clerics and stuff.
4: I don't know if that was like for player characters or like for like for MP. I think it was for like NPC spellcasters. I think that's what they were referring to.
3: One thing I noticed was missing, maybe I missed it, was there's no bard.
4: Yes, that's true.
3: I did not see a bard. But
4: they have the monk class.
3: Yes, but the monk, well, the monk is in there anyway, so.
1: Yeah, yeah but the bard was have, always kind of a controversial ops, option, yeah. optim, optional class, even in right. first edition ad
2: and And also
4: very hard to level and finally become a bard. Right.
2: And wasn't there something about uh, becoming a bard that it was like, Is it even possible? Dude, I'm trying to remember what it was. There was some combination. Was it like you could be a half-elf, but there was something else about being a half-elf that wouldn't let you be a bard?
1: (sighs) No, you could be a half-elf bard or a human. I think (laughs) only humans and half-elves, but you had to do your your required levels of fighter, thief, uh, and druid. Limited on what you wanted to or
2: actually Yeah, you had to actually plan your being a bard from like an early level to even hope yeah. to maybe one day run around with a loot.
1: Yeah. I always loved the bard class, but I, again, you know, I'm one of those, I'm, I always seem to be kind of in the minority of what I like about uh, <laughs> the original game. I
4: like psionics. Hey. You know,
1: another thing in the Oh,
4: psionics are for the devil.
3: We don't talk about psionics on this show. Oh. Uh, anyway, page twenty-five, character inheritance. This is something that every yeah. one of us have done as a twelve-year-old. Yes, the son. Oh, they finally acknowledged that in the book. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I was looking at that
1: too. I love that. In fact. I, I also even, like
4: that mm-hmm. how they put in all the stuff for ages and aging. Yeah. And what your your ability modifiers are when you're creating your character.
3: Yeah, that was all for DMG. Now it's in just right here. Yeah. <laughs> Same equipment, pretty much everything looks the same. The instructions look the same.
1: One thing about uh, weapon damage, they did change, and and again, it's for the better. Uh, They no longer do, is all crossbow and bow uh, damage the same. It's not all D6 now. It's if you have a heavy crossbow or longbow, you're doing 1D8 points of damage as opposed to 1D6 and then short bows and and light crossbows are are at one d six still.
0: Yeah.
3: You know what the best part of this is? The weapons is they don't have that stupid adjustment chart that everybody hates. Small, medium, large creatures. No, versus armor class. Oh, yeah, the weapon if, versus If you're, versus you're armor attacking somebody uh, in
1: plate mail, you need to make this ugh. calculation.
3: Yeah, the chart that just about every person hated when they played.
1: Well but if you um, liked it, you could you could bring it you know, if you're one of the people that, that liked it and I know Jason liked it, uh then you can still incorporate it because the companion rules fit so hand in glove well with the uh original A D and D that there's nothing you that they didn't include that you couldn't include.
4: Well, one of the things that I noticed here when they're talking about when we're going through this uh this section here on page 24 when they're talking about multi-classing it's a huge change from ad and d and back okay yeah it's on page 24 here and for everybody out there i'm gonna read this section here at the labyrinth lords option characters may multi-class traditionally humans are not allowed to multi-class but this is up to the discretion of the Labyrinth lord okay now here's where it gets interesting the elf when used as a race class from the Core Labyrinth Lord, may not multi-class.
1: It is a multi-class already. Yeah, I was going to say he already is a multi-class.
4: Right. And maximum of three classes may be chosen. So they're still going with, if you're using the original Labyrinth Lord, you're still having race as class associated with this. Because if you look through the different allowable multi-classes, you have Cleric slash Dwarf is one of them for example, can, for all the cleric ones.
3: The optional hit point section over here, because the hit point, the D the d whatever for each class, the hit die for each class, excuse me, is lower than the original first edition normally. Yeah, it, it is. Advanced, and it says elf, dwarf, um, halfling, as if you were playing the basic rules and want to just want to up the, the hit dice for the class. Mm-hmm. So. Eh.
4: But I could, just it, thought that was interesting about multi-classing, where there's... and the. And we're also, there's some that are not allowed where it says fighter slash dwarf, halfling slash fighter, elf, any class, paladin, any class, and monk, any class. Duh. <sighs> so, yeah, I'm, paladin and monk, yeah, but I just thought it was interesting. You can't multiclass as an elf.
3: I'm glad they limited the multi-classing, too, because I used to hate people that used to be like cleric, fighter, thief, rogue.
4: Ugh. Right. You know what? And I think that was intentional.
3: Go Allusion- play munchkin. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Slash thief acrobat it was just like, come
4: on, dude.
1: I well, f- I didn't mind the multi-class characters so much if they were done right. But the problem was if you were getting a one off game going and the DM were to say, hey, you know, we're going to do six level. There'd always be that one guy who tried to slip in. Oh well, I'm a six level fighter, thief, magic user, and they and then somebody, you know, if hopefully somebody at the table will be smart enough to turn around to them and say, hopefully that yeah. someone was your DM would turn around and say, yeah, no, that's not really how it works for multi class. You you could yeah. be like a third level, third level, third level. You know, it, it has yep. to add up in the same power level to us. You don't get to be. Six six six. While everybody <laughs> else is only, you know, it is the devil, the number of the beast. Yeah. <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, another and that was a s- problem
1: I always had.
4: Well, where are some other things that under first edition AD and D there was no clear cut rule about when multi classing?
3: No, there wasn't.
4: There was some other ones too. Like, what about armor and weapon restrictions if you multi class with like a cleric or a magic user?
1: Yeah, that was always an They irritable. have it
4: right here that says if you like if you're a cleric magic user, you can use uh sharp objects in any armor. Right there. There it is.
3: Nick is just so happy to point that <laughs> out.
4: <laughs> well, it is because it's remember how many times have you saw in Dragon Magazine somebody writing in saying, "How can at it. can magic user clerics can they use can they wear armor? Can they use uh bladed weapons?" You know, can my can my cleric fighter use a sword? No, and it says it right here. Yeah, you can. You can use sharp weapons.
3: Your <laughs> says no. You're going to go to hell. Yeah, it's basically <laughs> up to your DM. I'm going to go mm-hmm. there.
4: Just, but if you were looking for an actual rule for it, it's there.
3: <laughs> Nick wants to win to his argument there.
4: Damn right I do. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: yeah, let's move on, Nick.
4: <laughs> I'm just saying.
0: <laughs> I imagine Vince doing, like, at the end of uh, the Jay and Silent Bob movie, Going to- just showing up at everybody who ever wrote into Dragon Magazine asking if their character can use bladed weapons <laughs> and just beating the crap out of them. <laughs> hey, are you, uh, you Shortfoot Furryfoot, the uh, guy who wanted to use the cleric with the axe, right? Yeah, that's you? Okay, come here for a second. Just beat the crap out of him. <laughs> oh, yeah, I love that at the end of
4: the <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God.
3: Uh okay so let's head into the spell section. Spells. They, can... they clearly
1: define spells and how many spells a magic user should get in the beginning. Mhm. Is... Yeah, that was and and they do it a little differently. There's it's a different amount of spells.
4: Yes, it is.
3: Magic users and illusionists study spells from their spell books and begin play with a few more spells in their book than they're able to cast based on the level. The player may choose two first level spells and one second level spell, but any other spell can only be added to a spellbook through gameplay. Mm-hmm. So right there, there's your, there's how it works for.
4: This AD- they make the magic user a little bit more viable at first level. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, they also they you know one of the big complaints and uh, that I, you hear a lot of people say w- when they were playing first edition AD&D as a magic user starting out. If they were going by the rules in the yep. DMG, you know, you had, you automatically got, you got four spells. So actually they, they yeah, took Reed, one spell away magic, from you, but right. they gave you a lot more versatility because right. you had to have read magic. Yeah, they had and Bryant. then you had to roll, you had to take one offensive, one defensive, and one miscellaneous spell. Right. Now you get to say, okay, well, I just get three spells and they can be, you know, out of it's not like all, you know, I could make all three of them out of offensive if I Mm -hmm. wanted to. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's different. And it does. It does give a lot more versatility to the character. Every DM
3: does it different, So this is one way you can stick with it or just do it. Mm ahead. So anybody notice anything different for any of the spells perusing through this? everything.
4: Well, they have everything listed alphabetically,
0: yes. which I like. And they're very
2: yeah, clear about what's reversible.
0: Yeah, That's, I was a big fan of the reversible yeah. stuff. That was good.
2: Uh,
0: yeah,
1: they have an actual section on that, don't they?
3: Yeah, it's right in the beginning, right before that paragraph of the
1: spells. Yeah. Uh, so again, it it the it, uh, it makes it so easy to find exactly what it is mm-hmm, that you need right. to know. And the penalties for using reverse spells.
4: Yes, if it goes against your god's beliefs, if you're a cleric, for example.
3: (laughs) Human effects. You can do those. Tells you you can't use a bless twice for a cumulative effect.
4: Yeah, they won't stack. (laughs) Darn. You are doubly blessed. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Blessed Well, I guess not from the same caster.
0: I don't think is that right. From... Yeah, I don't think. Period. You can do it at all. It just so they, don't, yeah. they don't stack.
4: Okay.
3: I never thought of the spell quest being reversible. Yeah. To be honest, which <laughs> lethargy.
4: What is it? Not and a quest and of you, you don't want to go anywhere. You're, yeah. you're lethargic. Yeah. Yes.
2: It's remove. Yeah. it's more remove quest. Then there's. I personally like the reverse of resurrection. Destruction? It's yeah. Death ray. It's the finger yes. poke of death. Yeah. I've heard of that one before.
0: Which fits well into the, at ninth level, anti-paladins get spells, so mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. that works in very nicely, yes. eventually.
3: Nothing else I can think. Druid spells, pretty much. Um, they got rid of, the, obviously, the name spells, if, if you have any of those. Yeah.
1: Can't yeah. Big bees.
4: Yeah. yeah. There's no Odaluk or... Rary.
1: Can't yeah, I mean, obviously when they made it, uh, Goblinoid Games had to, you know, obviously they couldn't use anything that was like uh, intellectual, definite intellectual property, property yeah. of D&D. So, you know, and, and of course, and it also makes sense unless you're going to be playing in a Greyhawk setting or, you know, a setting that used another one of the names and it, it probably makes sense. You wouldn't have that.
4: I, there's a they have a firestorm as reversible. I just noticed that.
1: What's the reversible Firestorm?
4: extinguished storm? Oh cool. <laughs> it will extinguish normal fires covering double the normal area. It will extinguish magical fires in the normal area, but a probability of five percent per caster level. Flash fire is a reversible one. Okay. Dampen fire.
3: Did you do a reverse spell power word kill? Power word live word
2: live? Yes. <laughs> i don't know Uh, it'd be interesting yeah unfortunately it's not listed as reversible but someone out there needs to work on that and make it happen
0: (laughs) yes i was gonna say somebody's gonna bring that up now at the next game they're just gonna curse you
4: still got your animal summoning spells oh here yeah summon sylvan beans Mm. that's i think that's an i don't I think that's a new one.
3: Yeah, I don't remember that one either.
4: Yeah, this one, you must cast it outdoors. This is a druid spell. Must both chant and make magical hand gestures. The casting ends when sylvan beams appear or if two turns have pass with no results. So the referee decides probably a particular type of woodland creature being available within range based on the circumstances and terrain. Very and right. there is a table below, you know, centaurs, dryads, sprites, unicorn, Trent, Nixie, and Pixie.
1: So you summon so, it be wonderful. Yeah, yeah, you, you flip summon- off an oak tree and then hope... Well, no, I mean, there's a quantity
4: out. here, like... Uh, you could summon a D4 centaurs or D4 dryads. Uh, D8 number of pixies. So... Meat yeah. shields. <laughs> as I like to call <laughs>
0: <laughs> They stay crispy in milk.
4: Yes, yes they do.
3: And you have your magical um, item
4: section. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: Um, just about everything's pretty much the same. A couple tweaks here and there of names and things like the,
0: that. Yeah. The deck of many things. I love that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Still there. It gives you the rundown on how to use your regular deck. Yeah.
4: Yeah, I would say that. Yeah, the <clears throat> the the spell section very extensive. Pretty much everything from the original book uh, from you know what original D and
3: really liked was when they put they broke down the magical items into like swords, like yep. two of berserking, and they explain exactly dagger plus two of assassination. Explain it. Mm-hmm. Nine life's I mean, I know they explained it in first edition manual, but they didn't go into a lot of detail about some of the things. And on page one hundred three, they start going into very details for each of the weapons.
1: Yeah. Yeah, now they did take out the artifacts and relics, it looks like. Yes, they did.
3: Yeah. Well, those are
1: probably complex. intellectual property, I would yeah. assume.
3: They could have made up their own, but they probably went, meh, What the DM answer that. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
3: Uh, we have some new monsters as well. Matt will go over that
0: briefly in a minute. But
3: anything notice anything about the monster section we want to talk about here?
0: I am a big fan of the Vrock artwork. Oh. Because like all of the artwork in this, uh, while this pretty much nailed seventh and eighth grade for me with this this artwork, because this was like this was the stuff I loved, you know, like this was this was it, man. Like this was the style of drawing that was so cool, right? Like, I, and I, I hang on, one. There's I gotta find the page. I think it's the last one of spells with the dude with all the dead. It's like all the dead orcs and goblins with the experience points on their foreheads. Oh, I don't have an art version of this. Yeah, I don't have the art oh, version I, I, got the, I'm, I'm, I got the physical because I love this damn game. Uh, page 82. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> page 82 is right damn in the middle. Game. <laughs> it's, it's, it's this guy standing in front of his friends who were around the table and his friends look kind of upset, a little bit weird. Um, he's holding his character sheet high over his head and it's it's lit up like it's the Holy Grail. And <laughs> in front of them, Laying on a pile of treasure, there's like these orcs. They're dead, obviously, and there's experience points carved into their foreheads. <laughs> but now, That's great, you know, by no means is this any sort of uh, giant leap into the art world of wow. This is super drawn. This was this, but this kills only because it. This pretty much epitomizes seventh and eighth grade. You know, playing D and D after school.
4: Now I gotta get the
0: artwork version. Oh, it's hysterical! I gotta get it now.
3: Yeah, I, I took the original Labyrinth Lord one and made it into a travel companion size, so I have mm-hmm. I play my BX games and have that quickly to f- flip through. I have to show you that, so you probably like the way it looks.
0: Yeah, that's pretty cool.
3: Uh, so um. we'll skip the monster section for right now because we have our creature feature, which Matt will take care of that. Mm-hmm. But uh, skipping that, we go to the new rules that like we spoke about. The optional stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do like they have various charts in here. Towards yes. Random tables for random traps, um, atmosphere, sounds, uh, miscellaneous room contents, room free-
4: random stuff for your taverns.
3: Yeah. Special yeah.
4: Yeah, raver- yeah. random tavern patrons. That- so keeping with the style of old school, with uh, you know, with Gary Gygax, lots and lots of charts.
1: <laughs> yeah, you even have your torture chamber furnishings if you want. <laughs> yep. And the even the Head Monster is always a favorite.
3: And then we you have got... our Open Gaming License and Advanced Adventures uh, plug in the back, pretty much.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, in the in the print copy, they got the uh, Labyrinth Lord Society.
3: That's at the very end, yeah.
0: Yeah. And the um, other was it mutant future? Yeah, mutant future. Yeah, I have that also. Mutant future is. A, so I've never played that. A
3: travel companion size too.
1: What, what do I lab- yeah, they also made a really good uh uh retro clone of the Chaosium's basic role play, Goblinoid Games. They made Gore, yes, which really is, is actually very nice. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. So and it's open game license. And I've always thought Chaosium, I've always thought BRP was probably the best game system. Yeah, I there. love it. And now you could do because, you know, it's it, not now. It's been out for a while, but it is. It's, it's very good. It's got the same. Uh generic challenge table that you'd find in basic role play you know against uh you know how you know I want to bust that door down okay well it's got that same kind of slide scale chart very nice.
4: <laughs> I just saw in the little advertisements at the end you see the one where it says the the one about the adventure citadel the fire lord yeah I mean, it's by you know who who it's by Robert Kuntz says, and there's a little, there's the dude sitting on the throne here. He says, do out in the near future. And there, whatever little demon dog thing says, actually, when Rob finished writing it. Yeah, yeah said? what they said. <laughs> there's, yeah, there's, yeah. That's actually not too far
2: from the truth. Uh,
3: <laughs> I have to say one thing. Every time I see the, the Labyrinth Floor Society's, like, logo, I keep thinking of Borda's Head, like, below product. <laughs> <laughs>
4: it reminds oh yeah like boar's head lunch yeah. meats yeah, yeah
3: exactly <laughs> I, I hate to do that but every time i see it, i'm like oh i want a bologna sandwich now <laughs> why is it i get hungry
1: for a deli sandwich every time yeah, i play time this game their logo. Oh, my God. maybe that's on purpose you know
4: mm. and another one of the, the ones they uh kind of plug at the end is i like their stuff as expeditious retreat press i like their adventures
3: yeah advanced adventures yeah
4: yeah great stuff there for those folks
3: yeah, if you go to North Texas RPG Con, they actually shit, they're there, and every one of their adventures is there, so.
4: Yeah, and real good quality stuff. Just, you know, you know, I guess shameless plug for them is, it, yeah, it's high quality stuff, and um, if you're going to run like a, you know, whatever edition of, you know, first edition or basic, and you're looking for something new, and you're like me, a lazy DM who can't think of his own stuff for adventures. Yeah. I mean, they they have a plethora of adventures to choose from.
3: <laughs> Was that a plethora? Would, would a you plethora. say a plethora?
4: Yes, I would say a plethora. I don't know. But that's great because if you want to spring something new on them, I mean, yeah, how many times can you run against the Giants? You know?
1: A hundred. <laughs> you know? A and Even though it's
4: it's a fun, you know, it's a fun adventure. I mean, it's like, how many times can you run that even for seasoned adventures? It's something you could spring on something new to them. So
3: it's a toss up for me between. Uh, the uh, what is the name of the company? XP expeditions Retreat Press and Paysetter
4: Games. Paysetter's good too. Yeah, yeah, I got some of their stuff as well. Absolutely.
3: Big toss-up. I don't know.
4: Oh. Just if anybody's looking for adventures, there's so many out there for first edition AD&D. Now, new stuff—it's amazing.
3: Cool. Let's uh, jump over to um, Creature Feature okay. with Matt.
1: Are you saying that I put an abnormal brain? into
2: a a seven-and-a-half-foot-long gorilla.
3: Creature Feature Theater. It's alive! It's
2: alive! And now we are in the Creature Feature, and as we're going to do a little comparison between monsters that are in our beloved first edition and in the uh, AC. E C and uh just some of the differences because there are some minor differences and some creatures unfortunately couldn't make it due to uh intellectual property issues. However, you'll find if you actually look, you can find mm-hmm. some of those in the game.
4: Yes. Yes you can. <laughs> yes you
2: can. But first let's just do a little monster side by side comparison and we'll go with the Beulette or however it's pronounced. The Bulet, yes, or the land the shark, bullet. Landshark. shark, land shark, candygram, yes. yes, but uh, with the bullet, uh, the we'll just go down the list. The frequency, the number of appearance, it's the same. It said two, but then armor class, the in the first edition, it actually had four different armor classes. Right, It had the outer shell, which was a minus two, which is the same in Labyrinth Lord, or it had six for its soft underbelly, the same. But in first edition, it felt the need to point out the armor class of the eyes, which was the four, which isn't referenced at all. Uh, The hit dice is identical. Treasure type – is identical, none.
4: Oh yeah, it's page 107. Yes,
2: 107 for those. And then page 12 for those that want to follow along in the first edition uh, Monster Manual. The number of attacks is three, but Mm -hmm. there's also has a special attack that gives it four. And this is where the uh, AEC is a little easier to know that because otherwise you would have to look in the first edition, go, oh, it has a special jump attack. Oh, what does that mean? Read through the three paragraphs of text, and eventually you'll find that means it jumps in the air and lands on you and claws you with all four claws. Mm. Uh, Also, for damage, in the first edition, it gives you the damage range, which, like, 4 to 48, 3 to 18. So you have to decipher that means... Four 12-sided dice, or three six-sided dice, Where's mm-hmm. in AEC, it actually just tells you these are the dice what you dice? roll, as opposed to yep. this is the damage range. Uh, saving throws, the monsters had their own saving throw chart in first edition. This, it actually varies by—it tells you what level. I mean, it's comparable yeah, between the two. In this
4: case, it saves as a nice le- ninth-level fighter.
2: Right. And then it also lists the morale. Morale. Um, and then the intelligence is the same. And for XP, it actually tells you what the XP of the monster is as opposed to then, making you go through that wacky yeah, I really like yes,
4: that. And that's the one big thing I like. And that's just not for the bully in here, but all the monsters. Right <laughs> At the very end is the XP value. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've right. done
2: all the work for you in this case. Yes. This is what it's worth. Right. They've determined that the extra five experience points you get for killing a monster with one more hit point than the, the one next to it isn't worth the effort of figuring, calculating. So they just Unless average you're it a out.
4: Deep player who wants all his XPs as soon as he can.
2: Ex- right. <laughs> Al- also, the speed is actually a little different too. If you look at the yeah. movement, uh, the movement in first edition is uh, 14 inches or 140 feet, whereas in the AC, it's 50. And then, yeah, it's a little bit faster. Yeah, it's a little bit faster both, but. Overall, there's not a lot of difference. Just everything is organized, believe it or not. So it's actually a little more functional, which is you could pretty much say for the entire AEC. The organization is much better. And also the first edition had the need to explain the reasoning behind everything, every rule decision, it seemed like. The AEC doesn't. It assumes this, you know, this is the rule. Just go with it as opposed to having to justify why the rule is like it is. So that and now let's go on to, though, a iconic monster that is unfortunately intellectual property and therefore you'll never actually see it. And if you didn't bother reading all the monsters, you wouldn't even know it was there for the beholder. Or yes, as I was it, just thinking about that. Yes, or as it's called in our wonderful AEC, it is the – there's actually a couple different eye ofs, but this is Eye of Terror. Yes. Yes. That and is uh, – Not the Eye it's... of Fear and Flame?
0: Uh-huh. Oh. Ding. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the eyes are – was it page 124 and 125? Yes. Yeah, it's, it's got the whole outlay of eyes.
2: Right. Yes. Eye of the the deep, floating eye, the tentacle, tentacle bald eye. (laughs) Yes. So your your eye monsters are there. They're just not going by their typical name. This is actually probably closer to if a peasant saw this Mm -hmm. floating about. What would they call it? Eye of terror. Yeah. They
4: would call it ah.
2: Yes. (laughs) Ah. As as people find their statue. Right. <laughs> or not assuming they weren't disintegrated into a pile of ash. Right. No. But, but the – And
4: one another thing – oh, I'm sorry. Oh,
2: I, Oh, no. Go ahead, Nick.
4: Oh, I just like what they – one of the things that they did here is compared to the first edition. We actually got the hit dice of the darn thing.
2: Right. <laughs> right. You actually have the hit dice as opposed to that 45 to 75 hit points. Um, that's a wide range. Yeah, yeah, and then also you'll notice that the alignment is different. It went from chaotic. It was originally lawful evil. Now it's chaotic evil.
0: Yeah. And according to well, the floating eye is neutral. Right.
4: Well, floating eye is not.
0: It's a fish. Has nothing to do with an eye. Right.
4: It's a fish. But uh, the eye of terror slash beholder in. Labyrinth Lord. They have this thing called horde class. This is a horde class creature, <laughs>
2: right. which means so it, they
4: horde together.
2: No, that's their <laughs> horde, as in their treasure horde. Yeah, it's a, they've renamed treasure and,
4: treasure yeah. horde. I got gotcha. you. Yes. By the way, I will
1: point out the original monster manual did give the hit dice in numbers. Also, I think only a few of the creatures were listed by, like Tiamat or Bahamut, were listed by actual hit points. Anyway, just to throw that out,
2: right? But with this, oh. you'll like the alignment has been changed. It also, the number of attacks the original Beholder had one. Mm-hmm. The Eye of Terror has three: two tentacles yep. and a bite. Yep. Like you'd actually ever really use them when you have all these eye stalks, because the yes. eye stalks are still there. So, which you have all the fun stuff, but they're actually the. Effects of the eyes are different.
4: And it, it doesn't have as many eye stalks.
2: No. This one has a total of eight. Where is – the original had 11.
4: 11, yeah.
2: Right, so – Well,
4: like eight isn't bad enough.
2: Right. Know? Still,
4: it's, it's – Eight bowl. is
2: enough? Yeah.
4: Uh-huh. Uh, all right. I didn't mean that as a pun.
2: Right. It's, oh. And then just some of those tentacles, what they do, it's like flesh to stone was the original – in the original – uh, the fifth eye stalk, but it's actually the central eye in the Eye of Terror. Yep. Uh, slow, uh, slow spell. They correspond. Your mm-hmm. the, this one has a polymorph as an eye stalk spell.
4: And you know what? That's nasty. Yes. Because if they're going by original, you know, like AD and D rules, what's the one of the things you had to do when you polymorph something? You had to make a system shock
2: rule. Yeah.
4: <laughs> and they might just die.
2: Right. <laughs> It also has Hold Monster as a spell, whereas the original Beholder actually had Charm Person and Charm Monster. Sleep is there. Yep. Hold, this also has Hold Person separate. Uh, the original Beholder had Telekinesis, which also the new one has. You had mm-hmm. Feeble-Mindedness. but what No you, Disintegrate. No Disintegrate, no Anti-Magic Ray, no Death Ray. Whew. yes so it's been knocked down a a little bit you're still getting 7300 experience though from it
0: I was Mm. gonna say plus you have those physical attacks involved too right you know so so where they they cut back on the the lethality as far as like you know the disintegrate and the death ray and things like that you still these are still horrible horrible things that you never want to play with right (laughs) yeah
2: and and then it, in the AEC, it's uh, 30% of the overall hit points is located in the central eye. Each eye stalks an AC-13. Um, whereas the originally, each of those eye stalks were... AC-3. Yeah, AC-3. AC and then well, also in the original, uh, one to four of those stocks are able to function considering that. So, when the original basically the eye stocks gave it like, uh, you could see around corners, it had far better vision. It mm-hmm. was very hard to surprise. Whereas this one, it doesn't really make reference other than if there are attackers in other directions, it may be employed against them. But it doesn't necessarily say that it's able to see with them, but I would work under the assumption that you could. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, and originally, the beholder was seventy-five percent of the potential hit area. Was the eye? I uh, the most the, the original write-up goes a lot into a lot of percentages of well, this is the main torsos, seventy-five percent. Each eye stalks ten percent. Then the small eyes are five percent. Whereas the eye of terror, it's a far simpler version in that this is the overall hit points. And each appendage is. And actually, the eye stalks of the eye can actually just each end one can slap you for one d six, and the victims must savor poison or die when it happens. So, yeah, yeah, that makes up for those lacking of the disintegrate the death ray and yeah. all of that. <laughs> mm-hmm. You get smacked with an eye stalk, savors, poison or die. But at least you won't get disintegrated outright. Right. At least they'll be able to find the body. Yeah, that's just embarrassing.
0: Yeah. So, yeah.
1: Unless you get turned into a bunny and, you know, (laughs) then you get killed.
2: It's it's probably
1: embarrassing
2: too. Yeah.
4: Polymorph than the J. Edgar (laughs) Hoover.
2: Right. Oh. I'm just now imagining an eye of terror with, like, a whole polymorphed flock of, like, woodland creatures of all the adventuring parties that try to attack. And it's like, okay, here's my pet squirrel and here's my pet rabbit. <laughs> I love them. In See, I was envisioning him turning him
1: into, like, hot dogs and hamburgers. <laughs> oh. Just kind of <laughs> scooping him <laughs> up. Yes. Them.
2: But, yeah. So... For those fans of the intellectual property, don't worry. They're there. Just look what about af- the mind flare? The mind flare. Oh. Flayer. Oh. I'll talk. Oh. oh. Let's see. Where well A E does what are the psionics rules in our advanced community? Yeah, I don't I don't
0: there aren't any. There exactly. are there's
2: no such thing. Right, so what would a mind flayer be flaying without its psionic?
1: Well, they changed that when they did the uh, uh, spell jammer. Anyway, right, they kind of ruined mind flayers, in my opinion. But that's all right. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so that's one that I'm not sure would ma- it would be a very different flavor. Mm-hmm. Should you? transported over since you're lacking the psionic rules so sorry psionic. well the mind yeah. blast of
4: a mind flayer you have to use the psionic rules anyway
2: right You'd, well yeah i mean
1: essentially you could just say what they did when they moved it into what was it third edition and even second edition they they basically just said that it, it i think and by was it second might have been by third they turned it into a magical attack anyway right
2: yeah because uh, psionics was like its standalone expansion book In uh, 3rd and 3.5. So, yeah, if you would want your lithid, you could use the stats out of the book. You would just have to uh, tweak the psionic powers. And you could probably find, like, magic spells that are kind of close and just or sit. you could just take
1: the original game. I mean, that's the, that is the other great thing about this game is that it does fit so well with the original AD&D rules mm-hmm. that there's no reason. Anything you see missing or that you, you – know, if you're me and you like the psionics from first edition, you just transport them over into this game right. with no problem whatsoever. Well, you're weird like yeah. I'm yeah. pretty weird in a lot of ways. <laughs> Him and Jason. we can't talk about.
4: And that's okay. Yeah.
1: That's why we like it. It's all right it. because right. – I'm just the way God made me. Uh.
0: <laughs> Which God?
3: <Ooh. laughs> Come on,
0: no. The God of Rock.
3: The <laughs> God of Hellfire. Hey. Okay. So, if you want to pick this up, we highly recommend it. As a, yes, yes. A, uh um, if you can't afford the books, you can pick this up easily and yeah. run a really well game, a really planned. Well, game with it. I mean, yeah,
1: yeah. And if you are looking to pick it up, Noble Knight uh, is, uh, according to the back of this uh, companion, is their exclusive uh, uh, distributor. Noble Knight I, gets, I guess. Yeah.
4: And I've seen uh, hard copies of, of Labyrinth Lord at conventions too, so you can find it there as well.
3: North of, RPG Con, for example,
1: it's there. Yeah, I I've Loot seen it, it at
0: Origins too.
1: Because <clears throat> I, yeah, I think I've I got- seen it at Gary Con too.
0: I got my copies from uh, from Lulu, <clears throat> and they were really cheap. Yeah, there is a you know going on with Lulu right
3: now, too, like $30 off of 50 Or 75 something like that. Ooh. Yeah, check your email. There was a coupon that went around. Oh, okay. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I guess that's going to wrap up the show this week. Issue 157, volume number four. Yay.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Check
3: out Brainstorm Podcast at brainstormpodcast.info for more information on that. Yes. Thank you for joining us, Sal. Thank you guys for having me. Oh uh, well, well. Say keep original, keep it old school. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. Good night.
0: This is a production of Wild Games Productions in association with d20radio.com. You can visit us at rfipodcast.com or contact us on our forums at osrgaming.org or even by calling us at 570 865 4210. This podcast is produced for entertainment purposes only. All other uses are prohibited. And remember, if your magic missile spell doesn't automatically hit, you're playing the wrong edition. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time on Roll for Initiative.